Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Matt Mandel joins us now to report on the latest coming through the Housing Committee. In Hartford on Friday, the Live Work Ride Bill was passed along party lines, which is to say all the Republicans voted against it, all the Democrats voted in favor of it. And I've been thinking about this bill, Matt Mandel, who's also the head of our Chamber of Commerce in Westport and a longtime environmental activist. Hey, Matt, welcome to the show today. I have been... Uh, thank thank I've been, you for having me. Sure. I've been thinking about this bill, and I've been thinking about the alliances that have happened with respect to housing policy in Connecticut that are, it reminds me of, um, well, first of all, the alliances are puzzling to me because they are alliances of environmental groups who are either not speaking at all or who are actively in favor of bills that demonstrably threaten the environment. So that is really puzzling to me. But then I was thinking, Matt, of all the president's men and Deep Throat in the darkened parking garage. And what did he always say? Remember what he said? He said, Not exactly. He said, follow the money. Follow the money. Follow That's the right. money. Oh, well, you, you got it. You bring up a good point. Um, <clears throat> first of all, um, I'm speaking as an RTM representative from Westport. Okay. Uh, just so it's clear what, where, what body I'm, I'm representing here. Um, and you bring up an interesting point about the alliances and what's going on and who's behind it. And it's, it's clear. First of all, also, it came out of Planning and Development Committee, not Housing. Fair Thank share you. came out okay. of Housing. This one came out of Planning and Development on okay. Friday. Okay. But the alliances are, are strange. It gets very strange bedfellows here because you've got a progressive wing of the Democratic Party that's backing legislation that would aid an entire industry, the development industry, the construction industry, in allowing them to build and build and build without any restraint from any local control from the, the towns where they'd be uh, building. So how is this occurring? And it's strange. You bring it up. Follow the money. Well, desegregate Connecticut is completely backed by the RPA, the Regional Planning Association, which is essentially controlled by the, the building world. So that's where the money's coming from. That's where their advocacy is coming from. And 
Live, work, ride is nothing but a gift to developers to allow them to build at will as of right tremendous density, which is not normally allowed or or even preferred in the communities where this is coming. And the thing is that typically the environmental breaks are very localized. There are things like your flood and erosion control board. Your coastal advice and your coastal management agencies, your local conservation, uh, you know, agencies in your towns, and not to mention planning and zoning itself. And if those and if those don't have any your water pollution control board, if none of these matter, right, because everything is, quote, as of right, then none. There's no chance for these environmental restrictions to even be imposed where it counts when it's really being built. It's astonishing well, for the to most, me. What, well, for the most part, that's the case. And also, if you do not follow through with what you're supposed to do, then the state comes in and, and hits you with the stick even harder. So you, you have to be developing. But if you do not have the you know, environmental resources that are set up properly for it, you're going to have a disaster moving forward. And then who's going to be left holding the bag? Well, the towns, for, for the most part, but also the state. They're not looking – forward. They're not thinking about it. And it, it worries me that a committee that should be taking days and days and days to analyze what this would do, what, what this would do, and they don't. They just say, oh, this is a great idea. We're just going to listen to what they have to say and move it forward. You know, one of the things they're saying that this is an opt-in. It's not an opt-in. It's basically there's a gun to the municipality's head saying, you better join this or you're not going to get any infrastructure money from the state moving forward for roads, for sidewalks, for sewers, if you don't follow along. Now, how is that an opt-in? Now, they're crowing about, how oh, this is wonderful. Look how we changed it from last year. And last year was a mandate. This year it's an opt-in. It isn't an opt-in. So you know, we could go through all the different pieces that show where live, work, ride is exceedingly problematic. So – you let me know where to go, Lisa, and I'll be. I want to hear about, about this because we have not done. I want to hear the details. Go ahead, Matt Mandel. What are the details? Well, last time I was on, we talked about fair share and how it was just, you know, the numbers were just out of, out of scale. Yep. Here, yep. they brought the numbers back in. You know, the, what it is is they're saying that in a train station, a half a mile from a train station, which is basically a mile swath across, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you must have 20 units per acre. And that would be what the zone that would have to be created by municipalities to be part of this. But and that 20 units per acre would be done as of right, not by special permit, not with any control by the planning and zoning commissions, by the the the, the um, flood and erosion control boards or the inland wetland commissions. They wouldn't be able to have their as much say as they're supposed to have in terms of where and what we're supposed to develop. So once you do it as of right, now you're just handing the developers the ability to come in and do as they see fit, where you don't even get to weigh what infrastructure is around there, water, sewer, roads. None of that matters. Why are the the Democrats who are historically so allied with environmental concerns, why did they vote for this along party lines? Don't know. I mean, I, mean, I, I, I think it's a brilliant it's it must be the name desegregate Connecticut. They must be afraid to vote against something that they feel will perceive them somehow as being anti progressive and letting people, you know, live in historically um, white communities. It's got to be the name. Don't you think? Maybe maybe it's an, yeah. And the funny thing is, is that the proposal actually won't desegregate much. But most of all, it won't create the affordable housing that they're talking about. I mean, the, the point of, of, of 
building is to have more affordable housing. But in these rules here, so you have 20 units per acre, you don't have to create any affordability until you've created the 10th unit. So you come into a community that has some kind of wealth, and developer is going to come in here and say, well, wait a second here. I don't have to create affordable housing if I only build nine units. So what they're going to do is they're going to build nine luxury condominiums on the acre, cut and run. No affordable housing will be created. And all that will do is fill the pockets of of developers and stress the infrastructure of the towns who have no control over it because it would be as of right. Was that brought up to the committee? In other words, in opposition, did people testify about how the bill could so easily be manipulated? Absolutely. I testified. Now, let me tell you a little thing. Desegregate Connecticut was doing a dog and pony show, coming around to the different towns, pitching their wares. And that's fine. I think that's a right way to do it if they're also listening to what the municipalities have to say back. So um, Tucker Sales, who's their legislative representative from Desegregate, came to Westport and sat down with us in a Zoom meeting talking about what they were doing. And then we began to explain all the issues that we had and the things that we found problematic. And one of them was the affordable housing piece. And you you looked at him, he looked like a deer stuck in the headlights, because when he realized what we were explaining, he actually said, I see what you're saying, and and I understand it completely. So he understands that there's no affordability going to be created under 10 units, and yet the, the bill moved forward, was talked about specifically on, these, on this issue, along with a number of other problems with it, and still it gets out. So nobody's listening and nobody's thinking. And that's a problem with our legislative, legislative process, that something like this, without truly being vetted for the problems that exist, is happening. Let me talk about another thing. You mentioned the follow the money and why are the Democrats doing this? The underlying concept here is to build so much housing that it changes the market structure for, what's, for, for the underlying area. But who is going to you know, have a problem with this? The people at the very low end who have bought their houses, and the majority of them are going to be Democrats because in Fairfield County, let's say, we're mostly a Democratic area. So it's Democrats that are going to be affected by this. When you say change the market, what do you mean? You mean they want to flood the market so housing prices go down? Is that what you're trying to say? That ultimately ultimately buckles the underlying financial structure of property and housing. And if you've got a mortgage and the property value goes down, your mortgage goes under, and now you may not be able to keep it. So the very people who they're trying to help, which are the people who are struggling who just made it, will be the most vulnerable moving forward when you have an economic, you know, uh, upheaval, which is what the goal of this is. I mean, Sarah Bronin said it a number of times. The goal is to have so much housing that it decreases the value of the housing so that there's more affordable housing. But that's not the way to do it. And and by the way, have they done any economic analysis? I mean, here, I've got a minor in economics from 40 years ago, and I can see this. What about experts? How come the committee didn't bring in any experts to say, hey, let's look at the long-term economic feasibility of this. Will it work or won't it work? I'd suggest that we're going to buckle the underlying economic aspect of it, and we're going to be hurting our own party. I'm a Democrat, and I'm wondering why you want to hurt other Democrats or anybody in in the state. Why anybody, Republican or Democrat? Why do you want to hurt anybody who's struggling, who's made it by doing this? doesn't work. There are better ways of doing it. I think it's really, uh, I'm really glad you came on with chatting with Matt Mandel. I had no idea about this nine out of 10 loophole. 
for the luxury situation. And by the way, who says that only one out of 10 is even really helping anybody? Let's be honest about it. But okay, it's another conversation. And, well, I mean, like, let's say like in Westport, we yeah. require 20% yeah. affordability yeah. for any multifamily housing. Strongest yeah. in the state. But mm. Westport doesn't get any credit for the efforts that we do to create affordable housing. Right. No, I know that. And so, and then the other piece, I didn't realize they wanted to tip the market. So they just want to make so much of a glut of housing that housing just becomes cheaper for everybody uh, altogether. But, yeah. you know, but, but you know, what kind thing. of housing? Yeah. Then I always circle back to saying, well, okay, but most people didn't grow up to say they wanted to rent. Most people grow up to say they want to buy, they want to have a stake, they want to put roots down and or build their own generational wealth. And so most of these bills just incentivize rentals. Well, that's the whole point. It's all about rentals. And how you get people out of the poverty cycle is to let them get a foothold in. And yeah. that's what I'm saying is the people who have their foothold, who just made the foothold, you know, your, your teachers, your, your contractors, your, your, your bank uh, tellers, people who are working hard, the, the middle class who now have houses, if the underlying market structure buckles, then you're disrupting them. And they're just as important to our community. I mean, we're not saying that there isn't an affordability problem. We're not saying that there isn't, a, you know, there isn't a need for a solution. But this one ain't it. So now what happens? So, yeah. So tell me, Matt. So now what happens? It came out of committee. Um, what happens now? Well, what happens now is that it goes to the leadership to start talking about it, modifying it, changing it if they want to do it, and then bringing it to the floor. Now, thankfully, Westport's got Jonathan Steinberg, representative Democrat from 136, who's come out vociferously opposed to fair share and live work ride. He calls them punitive pieces of legislation. And he thinks that he said basically that they're essentially an attack on Fairfield County because this is who they want to, to uh, you know, make suffer, essentially, by saying, OK, we're just going to change your town. We're not going to have you make any decisions any longer. And, you know, and Fairfield so County is, is the only is the only county in the last 10 years to have gained any population in the entire state of Connecticut. So people want to move here for a reason. And we don't want them to absolutely. not want to move here. Right. So, right. so finishing on this line, so essentially now it's question is, is it going to come to the floor or not, and in what condition? Now, if Jonathan can rally fellow Democrats, because now it's a Democratic issue. It's not a Republican issue. The Republicans clearly are opposed to it for a number of, of, of reasons. But the Democrats are in control. The Democrats are the ones that will decide. And now Jonathan you know, will need to work with other like-minded Democrats who see the problems and the flaws in this legislation and make sure that it doesn't get to the floor. Because once it gets to the floor, anything can happen. And the All point right. is, is that I don't think they vetted this properly to know what the long-term economic impacts will be and to, for this to move forward. Now, I can go to environmental if you want me to talk more environmental, too. Well, I'm going to have to have you back for that. We'll have you back either later this week or next week to do that because I have another okay. guest holding. But, Matt Mandel, I really appreciate you coming on today, and thank you for – teaching us with these nuts and bolts details exactly what is at stake. Thank you very much. Sure. Anytime. My goal is to make sure that Connecticut understands what's coming forward and have them make an educated decision on whether something is good or bad and not just having you know, a few legislators saying, oh, this is a good idea without really researching it and moving it forward. Matt Mandel, thank you so much for being on the Lisa Wexler show today. We'll have you back real soon. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowl and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowl and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.